We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. So, I'm almost prepared. I've got my Bible. I got my Calvary t-shirt and I have my what does that say? My iPad guys. iPad. <laughs> the browser's not that great guys, but uh, it makes you work. <laughs> Let's go to Matthew guys. I mean, I thought you guys were going to get that just like that. Matthew 25. We're going to read through the passage just to get situated in just a small overview of what we've been studying the last, uh, I believe, five weeks now. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Everybody got it? Amen. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Amen. Um, we've been going through this for several weeks now. I just kind of want to go over a quick review so we know what's going on. 
Um, it's speaking of the, no the separation of the nations. Um, I'll tell you what this is not, okay? It's not the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bema seat as we might know it, where all Christians will be judged, not condemned, but judged, and will be rewarded, or not rewarding, according to how they've lived their Christian life, how they've handled that gift of salvation. And uh, this will take place after the rapture. If you want to know more about it, look up in uh, Romans 14 to 10, 14, 10 to 12, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 to 10, if you want to know about the judgment seat of Christ. Another thing that is not, it's not the great white throat judgment. The great white throne judgment takes place after the millennium, after the thousand year of Jesus and his people here on earth. At that judgment, Jesus will judge those, those wicked who have died and remain wicked. And he will assign them to the lake of fire reserved for the devil and his demons. Okay? You can study that in Revelations 20, 11 to 15. So I'm just trying to get, get us situated as to what we're reading here, okay, guys? This is what we're reading today. This is a separation of the nations. Um, it's a separation of the Gentiles, Gentile people who lived through the tribulation and came to Christ and the ones that didn't come to Christ. Um, he calls the ones on his right the sheep. What do the sheep do? They follow the shepherd. And the ones to the left he calls the goats because the goats are always a rambunctious bunch. Okay, they, they go where they will and they don't follow. I think I'd rather be a sheep. <laughs> but anyway, and he blesses the ones on the right. And he tells them, because you've done this, this, and that, unto the least of these, enter into my kingdom. And to the goats, the direct opposite. You haven't done this, you haven't done that unto the least of these. So basically, what we see here is not salvation by works. That would be inconsistent with the whole Bible. Okay. Basically, what we're seeing here is what they say, um, the proof is in the pudding. Okay. Um, if it walks like a duck, if it swims like a duck and it quacks like a duck what is it it's a duck it's just the condition of their heart gives evidence as to who they are so obviously from what we've heard here christ is calling the sheep his christian people right because that's what they reflected that's what was reflected from their heart that was their attitude they weren't doing things to convince jesus because if you notice they say what did we do had they been Conscious of the fact that they were doing these good deeds, you might say, oh, they were trying to impress the Lord. But how many of us know we can't impress the Lord? Okay, so he was just calling, I shouldn't say this, right? A spade a spade, and I, I shouldn't say that. But I said it. Okay, guys, so he was just calling it truth and untruth, evil and good. Okay? If we go to... Um, Ephesians, which is basically the anthem of Calvary Chapel. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. 
just to further um, firm up in your minds that this isn't teaching salvation by works. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 say as follows, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Check out, I love this verse. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God before, uh, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So who are doing the good works? Those that were created in Christ Jesus. Amen? You understand that? That we should walk in them. He created them beforehand that we should walk in them. They weren't works that we prepared in our hearts and did for him. That's what he had prepared for us after we knew the gratitude of heart, after we knew his love, after we knew his compassion. This is speaking of having become a Christian and now walking in good works, which is what the sheep did in this passage, okay? If we go to James chapter 2, verses 14 to 21, I'll read it to you guys if you don't want to look it up, but just write it down. It shows us that faith without works is dead. In other words, works is a result of our faith. If there is nothing in our life that shows a change, there hasn't been. There hasn't been a transformed heart. We haven't been born again. Amen? But this is what it says in James. Brother James was a wise man. He says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm, and be filled, but you do not give them the things which, we, which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There has been no rebirth. This is what I said. No, it's not <laughs> there has been no rebirth and no transformation. So that's where we should be now, as far as having studied. For the, so the last several weeks, we've looked at the passage, not from a doctrinal standpoint, but from a practical standpoint. You guys know what I'm saying? Um, doctrine is so important. But what is doctrine memorized without living it? It's nothing. So we've taken this, this passage the last several weeks... And we've applied it. We've made it practical to our lives. We, we haven't argued about who is being taken care of by these Gentiles. We haven't said, uh, you're off on this point or on that point. No, we're, we're being practical and we're applying it to our lives, right? Normally in, in Calvary Chapel, we go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Okay. We've gone through this passage and we dissect it. And, and, and we've just made it practical in order to change our lives in order to, to live a life that reflects who's in our heart in the same way that the sheep reflected who was in their heart. Do you understand that? Amen? So for the last several weeks, we've been doing that. Um, so it's not good enough to memorize the Bible. It's not good enough to know the Scriptures. We have to live it. And an excellent chapter to study, if you want to know what a Christian's life is like is chapter 12 of Romans. I just really highly recommend it. When you get a chance, go through it, verse 1 to the end. Some real practical information there that will help us uh, live a life. 
so, so far we've looked at uh, several things. In verses 35 through 36, we've looked at feeding the hungry. Awesome study. Giving drink to the thirsty. Richie scared us with his water statistics, but it was a good study. Giving the stranger hospitality and lodging. That's a tough one. We've got to really practice that one. Okay. Clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and today, in conclusion, we're coming to the, the passage, the part in verse uh, 36, which speaks of visiting those that are in prison. What is prison? I looked it up in the Greek, the English, Spanish, and French. It's all the same. Basically, it's a place where you're caged, you're held and kept under watch as a punishment for what? For a crime. Okay? It could also be, unfortunately, a place or situation from which you cannot escape, referring perhaps to bondage of addiction, vice, mental illness, that type of thing. That is also a prison. Amen? Um, I don't know if a brother... Billy and Sister Martha are, are aware of, of certain facts, but I looked them up. Since my brothers were doing the same thing, I thought I'd throw out some numbers also. It says, uh, according to the Prison Fellowship Ministry, you guys ever heard of Chuck Colson? Okay, he's passed away, but his ministry keeps going. According to his ministry, check this out, guys. It's something to think about. The U.S. has less than 5% of the world's population. 5% is still a lot for one country, right? But... Less than 5% of the world's population. But it has 25% of the world's prisoners. Okay, think about that. I wonder if that's because we have more stringent laws. I don't know. Or is it because we've fallen away from law, from God? It's a sad commentary either way, right? As of 2013, there were... 2,300,000 inmates behind bars in the United States. That's bigger than most large cities, guys. That's a lot of people. Another sad thing is that 90%, 95% of all the prisoners eventually are released. And unless God's people are reaching out to them, unless we're going out as Brother Bill and Sister Martha do, how many are going to be rehabilitated? Not a big percentage, okay? I know, that, like Brother uh, Pastor Manny said, there are a lot of people in prison that are a lot more free than we are because they are in Christ. They are born again. But a large majority aren't. So we need to get, get going, get busy, right? Um, some are there because they're being punished justly. There's reason for them to be there, right? That's the majority, I would say. Um, some of them are being punished unjustly, which is probably a minute part, right? I'm, I'm sure there are. We hear it all the time. Once a year, somebody who's been there for 50 years is out. But uh, God willing, that doesn't happen too often. And like I said, uh, there are those who are in bondage to vices, to addictions, to drugs, alcohol, pornography, and... We all know people who have either been in prison or who know someone who's in prison 
um, we've all been affected by it in one way or another. So is there room in this area of life for a large ministry? Of course. 2.3 million people? You think there's a ministry there? I would say so, right? And it's a matter of extending our arms, our hands, and being the arms, the legs, and the hands of Christ. Sometimes you don't have to be there with a list of verses. Just go, pray, listen, show compassion. Amen? I mean, some of them might be related to us. But as a matter of fact, they're all sons, they're all daughters, they're all sisters, they're all brothers, they're all someone's mom or someone's dad. So it's a sad situation. Would you agree? Amen? It's a sad situation. And it's affected us in one way or another. I mean, I know people here who have been in prison. And the Lord's done a tremendous work in their lives. And that's just a testimony of God's grace and his power. But someone reached out to them. What are we doing about it? Uh, the question does arise, though, in our minds, in our hearts, and we say, but aren't they getting due justice? Aren't they there because they deserve to be there? And simply put, yes, that's why they're there, because they deserve to be there. But that doesn't eliminate the need for them to know Christ. It increases the need for them to know Christ. I mean, they're there because they deserve to be there. As a matter of fact, if we read in Galatians 6, it says, Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap also. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So answer this question in your hearts and then I'll answer, it out, I'll answer it out loud and wait before you get shocked by the answer, okay? So are they worthy or deserving of another chance? What do you guys think? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Are any of us worthy of another chance? No, that's why they call it grace. We don't get another chance because we deserve it. We get another chance because our God is good. He's always good. Amen? So people want to moan and groan. They don't deserve it. You know what? You're right. But did you deserve it? Some, some of us are more falling in our sin and sinful behavior than those guys in prison, and we're complaining. Yeah, they're not deserving, but neither are we but by God's grace, we're here. Amen? If you don't believe me, the word will, will prove it. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is what? So were we worthy of forgiveness? We had sinned till the bag was full. I mean, we sin and sin over. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Amen? I'd like to say those are overly used passages, but they're not overly used because they bring so much truth, so much revelation to our lives. Romans 3.21-23 through 23 says, but, no, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Being witnesses by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference for all who? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by what? His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we were all in the same boat. None of us are worthy. And if you say those guys in jail, man, they're murderous thieves, drug addicts, and killers, you're right. But what we receive freely, we should give freely. You guys know that passage in, in chapter 10 of Matthew, verse 8? It's speaking of, of the talents, of going out and helping people, but we need to apply it also to grace. What we receive by grace, by grace we freely give also. When we go out there and we see these people, we're no better than they are. In the eyes of God, they're just as precious as Bob Young or Mark Barrios. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's Celestial Bob. Okay? It doesn't matter at all. I'm just as precious in God's sight. And so are those prisoners. So where does God stand on this issue? Well, to start off with, we saw here that Jesus was really pleased with this issue, this issue right? Of visiting the prisoners. Because that's what the sheep did. And this pleased him tremendously. Okay? In Hebrews 13, we read, Paul speaking to the Jewish Christians. He says, Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. So some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember who? Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. There is a verse that I overuse, and it's in, in chapter 12 of Romans that says that we should cry with those who cry and rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what this is talking about. Put yourself in their place. I think there's no more Christian virtue, greater Christian virtue, than being able to walk in someone else's shoes and have compassion for them and know that they're in the same boat you were at one time. So we need to remember the, the prisoners. Amen? Psalm 69, verse 33, it says, For the Lord hears the cry of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. Does he hear them? Did he hear us? Certainly. Certainly he did. That's, that's why people like Bill and Martha, or Margaret, excuse me, I keep calling her Martha. <laughs> that's why they understand this. They understand this. They go and they pray, they minister unto these people because they know the Lord is watching after them. He's looking for them. Okay? He wants someone to go as an ambassador. Do you guys understand that? What's an ambassador? Someone that represents a kingdom. 
we, we have the privilege of going into prison and re- representing the kingdom of God to someone. Isaiah 61, verse 1 says, Keep in mind, this is also quoted by Jesus in Luke 4.18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound. Should prisoners have hope? Of course. Of course. Do they escape their circumstances of having done something earthly wrong? No. More often than not, they're going to stay in prison. But they're freed. And what does the word say about those who are freed by Christ? Freed indeed. Amen? It's an amazing ministry. It's an amazing way to close out this chapter and realize that we have this opportunity to go out and touch people, be ambassadors of Christ. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, guys, chapter 5. I'm going to read from chapter um, chapter 5, verse 18, through chapter 6, verse 1. Actually, verse 2. Sister Margaret beat me with this passage, but that's okay. Just affirmation of the Holy Spirit, right, sister? Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 5, it says... Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Pay attention. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We've been given a a privilege, the gift of reconciliation. What do you guys think about when we speak about reconciliation? The bringing together of two opposite, opposite poles of being in the middle, having the same, the same opportunity that Christ had to reconcile people unto God. We get to reconcile people unto Christ. Imagine that. Being an ambassador of the kingdom of God. 
Sometimes I'm worried about how I represent my own family. But truth be known, we're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Not of the United States, not of Elmani, but of the kingdom of God. And when we say reconcile, we bring people together. I always think of this example. When I seek to be reconciled to my wife, what do I do? I beg. No, I'm kidding. But (laughs) sometimes I do. (laughs) But I'm always there trying to mend things. And what do I do? I bring a rose. And if one doesn't work, I bring a dozen roses. And sooner or later she comes around. But you know what's the curious and ironic thing of this? God reconciled us unto him. He was the action. He was the verb. Did we bring flowers to God and say, Lord, here I am, forgive me? No. He sent his son, one flower, for all humanity and reconciled us unto him by the blood of his son. Now we have this opportunity, guys, to go into prisons, to go into people's homes that we know are addicted or troubled or mentally off, and we have this ministry of coming to a prison and talking to people about Christ. Amen? The Lord is good, guys. He is so good. He's good all the time. Amen? Um, in a few moments, we're going to have communion. I'm going to ask Pastor Manny to come by. Where is he? Um, let's pray first, and then we'll have communion. Amen? Dear Father, we thank you so much, Father, for your abundant grace, your love, your tenderness, Father. It's, that's just showered upon us, Father. On mere humans who don't deserve a second look, but you've loved us so much, Father. We're just so thankful, Father, for this opportunity to come before you, Father, and just have communion with you, Father. Have fellowship with you, Father. In Luke, Father, you, you told your disciples that with a fervent desire, you desire to have this meal with them, Father. And that's, that should be our attitude, to fervently come before you and just desire to be in your presence, Father. I just ask, Father, that you forgive us for sins, Father, and prepare us for this uh, communion, Father. We ask that uh, you just do all these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. communion now and um, I, I was just so blessed by a lot of the things that, that, that Mark shared, uh, uh, just everything. You know, you never think like, well, the mentality that someone would actually come with, uh, with the thought that someone's not worthy to be visited, um, but unfortunately there are those out there. I think myself growing up, even as a kid, you know, just... Uh, you know, visiting my dad who was in prison, you know, as a little kid, I remember calling up his parole officer for him, seeing if he had to go in, just different things like that. Growing up in it, you don't even think twice about it. 
but just the study, listening to what he said, I pray we wouldn't think twice about it. And I pray, I, I really pray, as a result of that study, that people would be doers of the word and not hearers only. I, I just think that the kingdom of God would be so blessed if all of us here uh, wrote a letter. You know, you wrote a letter to maybe someone that you know who, who needs that. I was talking to a guy today, I'll be honest with you, that he called me up, but kind of out of the blue, and told me how he was getting right with the Lord. But I remember that there was a time when we would go visit him, you know, when he was, he was in prison. And so I was telling him, hey man, today we're doing this uh, study about this, and you know, I, I know that not only were you visited when you were locked up for eight years, but, but you, you visited people, and you know what this is all about, huh? And he said, yeah, I know what it's like being in there and not receiving any letters, not receiving any visitors, and just thinking you've been forgotten. He said, I know what that's like. And, and so that's why uh, the passage that Mark shared at Hebrews 13, I think it's verse 3, remember them. Um, and then in Psalm 79, I, I think it's uh, verse 11. Because, um, you know, when I think of Hebrews 13, 3, I think of Pastor Saeed. You know, I, I think that that scripture kind of shares in Hebrews 13, 3 about those who are locked up for righteousness' sake. Do you know how many people are out there who are incarcerated because they love Jesus? There's a lot. Remember them. Remember them in your prayers. But then in Psalm 79, in verse 11, uh, it talks about prisoners who are there because they deserve it. And they're groaning and they're almost, you know, getting ready to die. And I think the statistics are two out of every three people who go in and come out, they go back. It's like a, it's like a vicious cycle that only Jesus can break. And Jesus will break that cycle by using people like you. And so I pray that, you know, a hundred letters would go out as a result of this study. And at this point, we're going to have communion. And, and if you're here today, and like Mark was saying, you know, the prison is a lot more than just that, that structure, that, that correction facility over there on the outskirts of town. You know, you might be here today, and, and you know that you're a prisoner you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I could have been a prisoner. I could have done my life in prison. I could have been addicted to crystal meth. I'm, I'm glad that wasn't around when I was doing my thing because it could have happened to any of us. But by the grace of God, you know, we have been, we've been kept. And so I pray that um, if you're here today and there might just be one person or two or whatever and you... You're really not right in your relationship with God. You know, you're not here by accident. You know, God brought you here that you would be right with him, that you would know his love, that you would be reconciled to him like Mark was sharing, that you would be set free. This is your chance. And so if you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ, you want to get right with him, um, then right now as we're having communion, we're going to be passing out the bread and the cup, and you guys please hold on to it, and we'll partake together. But right here, right now, in this place, you set your eternity, and you just tell God you are sorry for your sins. Tell him, I, I turn from my sins, Lord, and I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You give your life to Him right here, right now. You do business with God. You make that transaction. You make that deal with Him right here, right now. And you defeat the devil. 
right here, right now. But you have to do that. God's a perfect gentleman. He won't force himself on you. We all have to make that choice to give our life to Christ. And so if you don't know the Lord, or if you don't even know if you know the Lord, if you're not 100% sure that you know if you'll die today, you'll go to heaven, then please, this is your opportunity. Because we read that passage today, and these will go away into everlasting punishment. You see how it says in verse 41 there, it wasn't made for us, it was made for the devil and his angels. God doesn't send anyone to hell. You choose where you want to be forever and ever. If you want to be with the Lord, then you choose the Lord right here, right now. So please, by the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, give your life to Christ today. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.